Welcome to Not Your Pastor's Pulpit, the place where ordinary people proclaim an extraordinary Jesus. All right, Alex, it's been a while. It's been a while. I don't. Stop. Since I've been. Stop. Oh, sorry. Stop. So I, I just have to say, like, our show, if it were to have a super fan, it would be Carrie Jellick. It would be Carrie. I mean, she has had the patience to listen to just about every single one of our episodes. Yeah. And give us feedback on all of them, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And I'm like honored to share her sermon. It's phenomenal. It's amazing. One word, creative, as I'll get out. Yes. I know that's more than one word, but boom, there it is, people. Yeah. I have no idea how long she worked on this, but... It's great. It is. I almost want Brandon Andrus to take this sermon and then just like put some sick beats behind it. Yeah, I think everybody needs to share this. Absolutely. So without further ado, Carrie Jellick, preach it. Sit back and let me tell you a story about a girl who found herself far from glory. This story opens, as most stories do, with the introduction of a character or two. There's a reason why you might care, deep meanings I will not spare. We'll call it a brief lesson for you. Once upon a time, there was a little girl who wanted her very own place in the big wide world, a child special and not so special all at the same time, wanting comfort and peace, both things hard to find. And as she grew, she searched for her meaning and self-worth to find even the tiniest traces of love and acceptance in many places that should have had plenty of spaces for her to settle within. But she felt like she never quite fit in. So before you get too invested, because I don't want you to feel divested of of the energy that's been requested to see this through, no random points are to be made. This is about a life that has been saved, and this is what I'm here to tell you. This is my story. And as scary as it is to air these secrets, I've grown now and hold no regrets. But that isn't the whole story. It's actually a telling of redemption instead of hellfire and condemnation and the process to reach the conclusion that felt impossible to grasp when faith felt an illusion, even though all I had to do was ask to confess and be forgiven. Since I'd spent most of my young living searching for a place that was heaven where I could be accepted and not rejected by those who seemed to have perfected the art of being cool. In this vain search that lasted years, I poured my heart out through stifled tears, waiting for someone to come near who would love me just as I was, who would heal my wounds just because, and protect me from harm and cold, lonely nights, and show me the way to go and give his assurance that everything would be all right. When I was in college, I met one the one that I loved, and so we did the things that lovers do when feelings ride high and love is new, and though we never got caught, at least as far as we thought, I still knew that this was not what God had in mind. But all it took was time. 
The lies and the guilt and the shame piled up higher and higher, and I was never the same after playing that lover's game. And even if he'd remained, the momentum couldn't be sustained. And one fateful night in December, everything fell apart right before my eyes. Would there be any comfort for someone to hear my cries? My heart was shattered, and all of the pieces were scattered everywhere. But what did it matter? Because my life felt like a lie anyway, seeking but never finding day to day. And so I went on lying and pretending that the relationship wasn't ending and that we would still be spending the rest of our lives together. And when that didn't work, I tried to bury deep inside, beneath the outward scars, my inner wounded pride and all the broken pieces that I had tried to stuff under the carpet and hide just weighed heavily on my soul. Yes, it took a toll. And as the days dragged on and my heartache grew, my heart reached out for anyone who might be willing or close enough to heal it. But I had to feel it in order for love to seal it. Because their salve was superficial joking and their bandage another beer and sweet words whispered in my ear as we parted and went our own ways for the night. And the next morning it started again. The desperate search for love. Would I ever win? Again and again I came back to that same idea of a relationship, nothing filling what I knew I lacked. No measure of kisses or hands guiding me by the small of my back could patch up each and every crack that threatened to fall apart at any moment. Too afraid to step up and own it. Fear had me too. So when that failed over and over, what else could I do? Every day I got down on my knees with folded hands. I begged, God, please rescue me from this wretched disease I call life in the pursuit of happiness, which really is just empty chasing and hollow attempted replacing of the light and life which should be living inside me that I denied me. But he rescued me. And though Jesus didn't rescue me in the way I expected, no, he took a path that wasn't protected so that his questions could not be deflected or ignored in the ways I had done before. And gently he called me away from my sleeping into his arms instead of me correctly reaping the cup of wrath I should have drank. And I give thanks. Because Jesus cares about the poor in spirit. And was there ever a person in greater poverty ready to hear it? The message of grace and hope offered to those of us at the end of our rope when we can't decide if we should tie a knot to help our grip or a noose to hang ourselves and just get it over with. Because my friend, you see, Jesus is always here watching and waiting for us to quiet our hearts and stop deliberating over the verdict he's already declared about us. Washed, clean, new, forgiven, so that we can get on with the task of living. All we have to do now is reach out and take hold of the steady hand held out to those of us ready to fall down or tap out because we could never fully be about the God of the universe who shouts out to get our attention and then whispers to draw us closer out of hurt and pain and sin. 
The very same Jesus who healed the sick and the lame is waiting for us to let him do the same inside our own lives without any shame or condemnation. Instead, he wants to heal our pain. And then he calls us to a better way, to a family where we'll stay for eternity if only we just trust in his name. For whether our brokenness lies in the decisions we once made way back in the day or in the calculated imprecision of our chosen words or the harrowing derision we once faced, it doesn't matter. Everything else is just noise that clatters. We have a high priest who can sympathize because he once internalized the kinds of things we now face, and we can approach the throne of grace with confident hearts and a smile on our face, and we can rightfully take our place as adopted children in the family of God. like to share a sermon or story about Jesus on Not Your Pastor's Pulpit, you can do so by following three simple guidelines. Keep it short, keep it Jesus, and love others. If you would like to learn more about our submission process, please go to notyourpastorspodcast.com backslash pulpit or listen to episode 26. Until next week, go in peace, my friends. Yeah.